Welcome back, everybody. We're back again. You got me, Ryan Chadbourne Knifeworks, Noah Bloomberg of the Anyout River Forge, Blomberg, yeah, yeah. Noah Blomberg, and today's guest, Toddzilla Returns, Todd Harrington of TH Blades out of Vegas. How's it going, Todd? What's up, guys? <clears throat> How are you? Nothing. Nothing. I'm glad we got to. We were able to lock you down. I know you're a busy man. You travel a lot. You spend a lot of time on airplanes. You know, not- I, I'm in town for 48 hours. Eh, probably like 56 hours, but two days I'm in town, and then I go back to Canada. Canada. Nice. Canada. Always moving. I was. I was actually like, okay, when can I lock Todd in? Hit you up. You're like, yeah, I think I can do then. I'm like, all right, let's do it. Lock you in. My biggest fear is making commitments like more than two days out. Boss <laughs> 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 calls me or texts me, and he's like, "You're leaving town uh, in two days." Just an FYI. I'm like, "Oh, oh shit, okay." That's how At sporadic your schedule is, really. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not all the time. Not all the time, but it does happen often. Wow, that's brutal. I don't know if I could handle that. Yeah, At least now we know B Cone will drop in whenever we need him. Thanks, B Cone. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Shout out to B Cone for saving us yes last last week. Yeah, we're gonna have to put a limit on him though. You can't you can't go two and a half hours, man. My neck was like destroyed after that because I'm I'm sitting on a stool. <laughs> so I'm like slouched right over. I don't have great posture. Shout out to B Cone for his new house and his new shop. That's oh, his, yep. new shout, his new shop looks awesome. Uh, I'm really happy I'm for him. That I am too. Oh my God. What do you mean? I was there two years. Huge shop. Huh? What's that? Yours is he, your shop is twice as, three times the size of mine. Four times. I think you have like a four car garage, no? Who, me or Noah? Ryan, you. Uh, it's 28 by 26. It's a two car okay. garage. But it's okay. two stories, so I got all kinds of storage upstairs. It's mainly full of wood blocks. Oh, okay. Yeah. I got yeah. a lot of burl drying waiting to be stabilized. Ooh. Michael. His is, yeah, his is just slightly smaller than mine. I think he said it's like 20 by 24 or something like that. But smaller is easier to heat. I mean, and, I've burned. And, I, and cool. Yeah, I've burned a quart of wood already this year. He's up. He's up north too. Yeah, that. Yeah, that is something you take into consideration. I forget about that a lot. <laughs> I know that is one nice thing since I moved into my smaller shop is uh, I fire up the forge and and just kind of keep the door cracked, you know, so I don't you know die. Uh, but if you just cart that thing because I have it on wheels, you just cart it in and then like shut the door and like as the forge is cooling off, it just sort of heats the whole shop. It's great. Yeah. What so, have you Todd, been doing? What, yeah. What do you? Who me? What have I been doing? Either or. Either or. All right. Well, I'll go first. I got a new freaking laser, man, and I'm pretty excited about this thing. So, uh, Richard Beck, Beck's Armory, posted a video of an Atom Stack A5. M40, I believe, that he got shipped to him. And so he did a, a cool little review video of it and he put it up on YouTube and he posted it on Instagram. And I saw that and I was like, dude, that's the laser I was just looking at on Amazon. So I watched this video and it was really a lot more of a laser than I was really looking at for. And I didn't realize how big it was. It's 
probably, a, I think it was like 24 by 24 inches. So you you need like a decent sized footprint for this thing. And as we we're just talking about, my shop's a bit on the small side. I have nowhere to put a 24 by 24 laser. Like I can't dedicate that space yeah. uh, to something like that, especially since a laser, like that's not my main source of, you know, I'm not going to be lasering things every single day, you know, and I don't really want to, you know, take down and set up a whole like freaking laser setup and everything uh, every time I want to use it. So I went onto the Atom Stack website and I found one that is their mini laser. So it's a little bit bigger than the one that I had. The one that I had is very low power. I think it was two and a half watt laser output. And I just used it, you know, if you wanted to use like a resist, like we were always talking about, you can spray some, some paint or some plasti dip. A lot of people use nail polish and then etch that nail polish. And then you can electro etch um, through that using as a stencil. And I was freaking tired of doing that. And still right. And pickle pickles been doing that. Yeah. I think pickles still doing that. Um, and it works, it works fine. Um, but I'm just tired of my, my electro etcher. It's, it's, it was pissing me off. It, for some reason I, I was having really a hard time cause I do a lot of stainless sand my, so getting a good black etch into that stainless was being really troublesome for me. And I was really tired of messing with it. So I wanted to get a laser that I could etch directly into steel. So I found this one. It's a smaller overall size. Um, for any of you guys out there, it's a P nine M 50 off of the Adam stack website. And it has a 10 output, 10 watt output laser. And so it etches directly into steel. Um, I think the A5 does as well, although Brigham said that he was having issues with it because uh, Brigham bought the A5, and he said he was having issues getting it into the steel. Um, but Richard showed in his video that he was able to, so I don't know. But the 10-watt laser definitely does. It gets some good depth in there. You can feel it with your fingernail, how deep it's getting in there. Um, I sanded a couple after I etched them to make sure that it stayed in there nice and deep. So I've just been kind of playing around with that. Um, it's a lot more intricate. You can do a lot more things with it than my old laser. And it's just sort of a learning curve of trying to get, you know, your, your rate and your power where you need it to get the etch that you want. And then you can do all sorts of different um, ways of etching it. So on my last one, it was just horizontal lines back and forth. That's all you got. This one, you can do horizontal, you can do vertical, you can do vector, you can do center line, you can do all different kinds of patterns and stuff like that as you're going through. And each one of those affects the way that the logo looks in a different way. So it's definitely a, a pretty big learning curve for me. And I've just been playing around with it on a piece of scrap 8670, trying to get exactly the right settings down to how I want to do my logo or any, any custom engraving. That's the one thing that I get the most of when I get custom orders is people want something custom on the blade. Mm -hmm. uh, I had one lady, um, and this is, you know, I'm not bad mouthing anybody here, but she wanted five separate dates laid out on the blade and I had to custom cut and then electro etch in five dates down the length of the blade to make it look right. It was brutal. It was brutal and I got it done. But if I had a laser that could actually go directly into the steel and make it a whole lot easier. So, um, for those custom orders, I actually took that off of my website that I was offering custom because it got to be so much trouble. And then people still requested it because they'd seen my other blades that I've done it with. So anyway, this is just going to make that a whole lot easier. People want their names in there. They want somebody's nickname in there. Um, you know, when you're ordering a custom knife, you want it to be personal and you want it to be special. So I get that. So I'm just trying to make it easier for myself to, 
to accommodate those things. So that's pretty much what I've been doing this last week, that and making some ridiculous Damascus. So, yeah, I saw that, man. I've been in the market for a laser. I, uh, I've been wanting one, but I can't, I'm not going to swing five grand for one. I won't use one enough to, to warrant that much of an investment, but something that can do a deep, deep engraving. Cause like you're like that batch of 50 that I just did, 14 of them had names on them. Mm. So I had to, I had to order stencils for the names. You can't get really, really deep with the electro etch. So once I etched the blades black, like you had to like hold them in the right light to see it real well. And I wasn't happy with it, but I feel like with a laser, I could go in after it's etched and just, just blast a name in there, you know? Yeah, as long as you get all your settings down and everything beforehand and you know exactly what it's going to do to that particular type of steel, it shouldn't be a problem. Um, but yeah, anybody that's out there looking, um, I've gotten a lot of questions on it. So yeah, the P9M50 is what I'm using. It's about 360 bucks right off of Adam Stack's website. And uh, so far, I like it. Um, we'll see how it goes from here. Obviously, it's you know just in baby stages right now. But so far, I really like it. And Looks like it should be a, a good addition to my shop. So nice. And I mean, Speaking for three hundred sixty sh- bucks. I mean, like you were saying, five grand for a fiber laser. I mean, not to mention the learning curve that goes along with that. I'm sure it's a lot more intense to learn how to do all the things that a fiber laser does. Fiber laser does. So yeah, something to be said for that of, as well. Speaking of new tools, I got an air filtration unit. See it up there on my ceiling. All right, I saw you unpackaging that. Yeah. yeah. It works like a dream. I bought the biggest one that Wen makes. So it's like over a thousand CFM when it's on high. And it's it makes a huge difference. How, how loud? Have, it's pretty loud. It's yeah. pretty loud. Like I'll turn it's got a remote. Oh, so. Littering and that's on high. Oh, Can you hear yes. it? Oh yeah. <laughs> what? but i mean with the wood stove in here too because sometimes when i'm loading the wood stove it gets a little smoky i just click that thing on and in five minutes it's fresh air in here again wow that's that's awesome yeah i might have to look into something like that i still cut blanks out with a zip wheel so my shop gets that awful awful angle grinder stink and that thing now it's like a couple minutes and it doesn't smell in here anymore so Anytime I walk inside after using one of those fiber discs, my wife looks at me and goes, you stink. Yeah, you smell funny. Mm-hmm. Dog, what have you been up to this last week, man? Have you been, when was the last time you got in your shop, dude? I know you've been busy. It was my first time actually in my shop. Um, it was yesterday. Um, I was out for, you know, almost three months. Uh, however, um, I got a lot done yesterday. I, there was a lot of knives that I had to finish before my surgery. And, uh, you know, since I was down for so long, I, I went in there and I was just like, I'd go in there with my crutches and I'm just like, oh, <laughs> like I can't do anything. It hurts to sit. It hurts. It, I can't stand. So uh, I just had to wait and wait. And that's that's my biggest weakness is waiting for anybody, especially, you know, what I mean, if I'm out of control, I, I, I'm annoyed that I can't can't be in control and just like get to work. But <clears throat> most of my most of my jobs on my computer lately. So that's what I was doing. Um, yesterday I got in the shop for a little bit and I finished sanding on a, uh, on a, a boning, boning knife that I made for a chef friend of mine. It was the, uh, fourth one in a set that he had ordered from me. So <clears throat> very grateful for the local chefs here. 
Did you? <clears throat> is that one that you posted on Instagram? Yeah, I posted this morning. Nice. And what what was the handle made out of? Koa. It's that was Koa, really. Ooh. Yeah, he's Hawaiian, so he he was he wanted the the Koa wood from Hawaii. Nice. Yeah. I just did a Western Chef in Koa, and it is beautiful. It's yeah, the first really, time I had used it. Yeah, it's really pretty. It burns mm-hmm. really nice. I burnt this one, so it burns real nice. Yeah, it burns easy on the grinder too. <laughs> well, yeah. <clears throat> <laughs> I, I got to say, Koa is probably my, my favorite. I've got a soft spot for it. I, I have quite a few in my drawer that I'm not using right now. I, I actually, I've been, my my kind of dream handle scales are like some of that two-tone Koa where you've got the heartwood and the, the outer layer. So you've got that, that nice, deep, and then the light color. And I finally picked up a scale, a set of scales from uh, Ryan Moeller. And I was like, oh, those are so pretty. I got to get those. And I have no idea what I'm going to use them for, but they're in my drawer, so I'm happy. You know what I should have been doing is um, I, I haven't been procrastinating, but um, since I was down, as soon as I want to say I had my surgery the first week of November, and it was on my Achilles in case anyone doesn't know. Um, so it put me down for a while. But then like three days later, I got, um, speaking of Richard Beck, I got my... Uh, my uh my disc sander in and it just ruined my life just having to stare at that freaking <laughs> three boxes and, and put it together i couldn't put anything together i couldn't even get to my shop so uh, i still have to put that together and wire it but i'm really anxious to use that nice what uh what kind of wheels did you get for that uh what did i get i got the uh the beveled i got the beveled um the nine inch beveled Nine inch bevel. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I do want to I get have a, a nine inch flat. So if you, if you decide to switch to a flat, don't let me know and I'll send you one. I've got a nine inch flat and I never use it. Oh really? Yeah. I was going to get yeah. that. I'll not switch, but I, I'm going to get that just for scales. <laughs> yeah. I use a 12. So I use a 12 flat. So I, cause I'm doing big blocks and stuff. Yeah. 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 I've just, I've, I've wanted this machine for so long and now that I can actually stand, I'm like, kicking myself right now because that's what i should have been doing yesterday i'm realizing it now <laughs> hey Thank you got you. a knife done man that's that's fine <laughs> yeah it happens that's true yeah that was a christmas order too so I'm quite late but what do you guys say we uh switch over and do the maritime knife supply ad shout out to lawrence lake at maritime knife supply hustle and grind is sponsored by maritime knife supply whether you're looking for steel, abrasives, handle material, forges, epoxy, or anything for making in general, Maritime Knife Supply has you covered. And in the U.S. or Canada, they ship faster than the great Cobra Chicken Gooses that their country is known for. Go to Maritime Knife Supply, and when you buy a 10-pack of belts, get 10% off. And tell them we sent you, eh? Thanks, Luke. Thanks, Luke. Yep. Lawrence is awesome. Every, everybody loves Lawrence. Everybody knows Lawrence. I just got my my Maritime Knife Supply hoodie just uh, yesterday or the day before, and I don't think I've really taken it off since then. Uh, so uh, shout out to Lawrence. That dude is awesome. I ordered some more AEBL from him. I got some of those files like we were talking about um, one of the shows where he had a, a the Boxing Day sale. Um, so I got those files in. I'm really excited to use those on some integrals and, uh, yeah. So 
Speaking of his files, so I was filing out this bolster right here, right, earlier today. And this mm-hmm. is just run-of-the-mill soft, like, 304 stainless or whatever. And I got these fancy cobalt files the other day. And I'm like, I'm going to try out those cobalt files. I snapped two of them in about a minute and a half. And then I switched to the diamond files that Lawrence carries. And no breaking. None of them broke. I mean, I do put quite a bit of pressure on them, but his didn't even bend or flex or nothing. So I eat through micro files and I'm really glad I bought those. And they're not that expensive. They're like 15 bucks for the whole set. I can't tell you how happy I am to hear that because uh, along with some of the bigger files, I also got those those little files from him. So I'm really happy to hear that because I was really, I, I have this problem. I snap files all the time, those micro files, the little diamond ones all the time. So I wanted to try out the ones from him. So I'm really happy to hear that. I'm looking forward to using yeah. them. No, they're absolutely worth the money. And diamond is, it's a nice smooth file. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not awfully rough, like a double cut. And uh, it doesn't wear out as fast and it won't build up a material. So they're just all around superior. Yeah. And I'm here in Vegas and if he sends me something, I'm like three days away. It's amazing. Amazing. I'm, I'm buying stuff from, well, I'm not going to say who, but uh, from, from places that are maybe 300 miles from me and it still takes a week to get to me at best. Wow. There's a lot to be said for sh- fast shipping and Lawrence delivers every time. Yeah, he is the fastest for sure. He's using UPS too. I know, which is a miracle. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if he's got a deal worked out with them where they get their shit together, but when he ships through them, it's light speed. I ship through them and it takes a month. Oh my God, UPS. So I accidentally shipped a knife up to Canada via UPS. And only because they were, for whatever reason, that was the best course of action for me that day. And I normally ship USPS, Um, but I shipped at UPS. It's sent to, where did I send it to? It's like two hours north driving of Vancouver. And um, I want to say it cost me like 120 bucks because I insured it. And when it got there, they did not let him take it unless he paid three hundred and fifty dollars what yeah yeah it was absolutely insane so i don't know what it was it was a ups thing when it changed hands so when it changed hands uh going up to canada so i they told me that they actually i actually called them because they provided a number for me if i had an issue um but they called me and they were they called me back and she was like yeah unless you um and then and then not only that beyond that is that when if he were to deny the package and send the knife back over over the border to me, and if it were to land back in Vegas, I would have to pay like two hundred and some dollars to get the knife that I sent back. I know, so I'm never sending UPS um, over the border again, ever. No, international. I always do post office. Yeah, there was a reason I didn't, and I can't remember right now why, but um, yeah. Very unfortunate. So my customer and, and good friend uh, ended up paying a lot more money for his knife than than he thought or I thought. <clears throat> oh, that blows. That's yeah. outrageous. I'm boiling with rage inside right now. I can't even believe what you're saying to me. Uh-huh. Exactly. I'm like, you want me to pay $250 to get a package back that I tried to send that they, you know what I mean? Like it was insane. 
Yeah, the only, the only caveat there is that they did try to deliver to his house, but she told me that that had nothing to do with it, that he still would have been charged. What the hell? Yeah, yeah. It would have been cheaper for me to buy a ticket and drop it off at his doorstep and buy a ticket and fly back myself. Wow. And faster. That, it took like 11 days to get there. That's so maddening. Yeah. I hate UPS so much. Oh, my yeah, gosh. Like that sponsor. Ugh, that's awful. I freaking hate UPS. I've never had I've never had anything good happen shipping UPS, receiving UPS, anything like that. And there are other people that swear by UPS, and I think it just depends on where you're at and everything else. Any given Sunday. But I know other people have said that they've had the worst luck with USPS, and USPS is the only thing I will ship with. Um, I, I ensure every knife that I send and I never have had any issues. They always get there within when they say they're going to get there. And yeah, basically no issues with USBS, but for some reason the Brown has done me dirty. Yeah. You don't like that doo doo Brown stuff. No, that's exactly right. Anything that has anything to do with poop color. It's not, I'm not a fan. Uh, UPS is the only company that's ever broken a all metal antique chainsaw that I shipped to somebody. It was 45 pounds and they dropped it so hard. It smashed one of the side covers, which are metal. That's impressive. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, it was great. (laughs) All right. Well, let's stop. uh, Let's stop bad talking UPS here, man. Do we want to do uh, a little bit of Florida man action? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, get ready to play. Is it Florida Man or Fraud? That's right, guys. It is time to play everybody's favorite game of ridiculousosity. We are going to read off three stories, and all of these stories are real and happen somewhere in the United States, and you are going to have to guess whether they were perpetrated by a Florida man or a fraud from somewhere else in the country. Each one of these stories today was provided by our man, Neil Warren, from Maximus Knives. A little shout out to Neil Warren. Uh, that man has gone full time this last week. Um, it was a little bit uh, unexpected. I guess. So I'm not going to elaborate on that, but uh, he's going full time now. So everybody, if you're not following Maximus knives on Instagram, go give him a follow. He's going to be doing some, some cool stuff here in the future. So keep an eye out for things that he's going to have available, um, some projects he's working on and go support our man, Neil. He's our guest in the first week of April. There you go. You're going to hear a lot from Neil in the future. And uh, when we talk about uh, from him, actually, Say that again. I said I just ordered the Max Grip stamper holder from him. Sweet. Which are, go, yeah. I believe, going to be offered on Maritime Knife Supply soon. What? I believe so. I think he made a post about that. Oh, I, I didn't see that. If I'm wrong, people will chastise me in private messages, but it's okay. That's fine. Yeah. All right. So anyways, yeah. Shout out to Neil Warren. Go give the man a follow. And all of these stories are thanks to him. First off, we have... Man gets out of jail, immediately steals car in prison parking lot. Well, that was quick. A man leaving jail this week was arrested minutes later, accused of stealing from a car in the prison parking lot, police records show. 
Michael Casey Lewis, 34, had just been bonded out of county jail when officers spot him, quote, acting suspicious in the parking lot. He claimed to be waiting for his girlfriend, but security footage security footage allegedly showed him checking for unlocked cars and finally getting into one. Arresting officer, this dude reported that he finally handed him a brown paper bag with things stolen from the car, including an iPhone 7, a debit card, four packs of cigarettes, and $547 cash. Do you think this genius who had just gotten out of jail and immediately started stealing shit out of cars was a Florida man or a fraud from somewhere else in the country? That sounds pretty Florida. Todd, what do you think? I want to say it's East Coast, but not Florida. We're like North Carolina type deal. <laughs> Four packs of cigarettes. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Both of you, Ryan, you're sticking with Florida. Todd, you're going somewhere yep. else. All right. That was Florida. Yay. Ryan got one right, everybody. I beat my streak. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next up, we have man arrested after hitchhiking ride on back of tractor trailer for almost 130 miles. A truck driver who made it made a stop on October 3rd unknowingly picked up a passenger who decided the best way to travel was holding on to the back of the trailer. The highway patrol contacted the sheriff's office about a man clinging to the trailer at about 2.30 a.m. after being contacted by other drivers on the roadway. After driving almost 130 miles with the man hanging onto the back of the truck, the driver finally stopped after consistently seeing other vehicles flashing their lights. He was arrested and booked into county jail at around 4 a.m. on Monday. Uh, later that day, he was formally charged with public intoxication and joyriding. You can get charged with joyriding for that? Apparently. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess you'd kind of have to be drunk to just hop on the back of a tractor trailer and think that, that was... The the greatest way to travel. I think somewhere else in the article, it said he was looking for his wife or something like that. So um, drugs may also have been a factor. I'm not sure. Mm, This is a tough one. I'll say Mm. Florida. I'll say Florida for sure. I'll agree. I'll agree. We'll go Florida again. You're both going Florida. Yep. That was Kansas, I believe. Mm. Yes, that was Kansas. All right. Tornado country. Todd, here you go. You got one last one to make up. You're you're behind. (laughs) Here, here, here's a goodie. Four hundred thousand dollars in meth hidden in pumpkins found at a border entry, CPB says. Border Patrol officials found Tuesday what the agency said was four hundred thousand dollars worth of methamphetamine hidden inside pumpkins, according to US Customs and Border Protection. CBP said that 136 condoms were filled with 44 pounds of liquid methamphetamine hidden inside four pumpkins. Photo released by the agency said that uh, appeared to show items packed with a hollowed out squash. It characterized them as Halloween decorations. Wow. So do you think... Well, I think it was actually in October, so I think it uh, it it was festive. I'm going to say hmm. not Florida man on this one. Not Florida man. I'm going to go Florida because it's meth. Well, you that's know, true. That, I almost said that. As soon as you said meth, I was like, oh, that's Florida man. But you said pumpkins and then you said uh, customs. So it didn't make any sense for pumpkins to come from Cuba. 
I guess I could see that. But there's lots of other places. I mean, all of basically South America comes through ports in Florida, don't they? We have customs agents who patrol around the airport. No, but I mean like an import of pumpkins. <laughs> oh, oh, the picture it was, it was it was four pumpkins. Like it's not like this was oh, like a truckload. Oh, it was yeah. it was four okay. pumpkins. Okay. All right, what is it? What are you, are you guys, Ryan, you're you're going Florida because it says meth. Todd, you're sticking yep. with not Florida. Yeah. Final answer. Fine. Yep. Todd, welcome back. You guys are tied. That was Texas. Oh man, there we are. The Mexican yeah. border. Uh, yeah, oh, I, I, yeah. I, I cut out as much of as I could in the article to like because it was like at a border crossing in El Paso, Texas. And I'm like, well, that's not going to, that's not going to, or Santa, where, wherever the border crossing is in Texas, what, one of those Texas towns, all the Texas listeners are screaming at me right now. I'm sure <laughs> I'm from Washington state. I don't know. I'm sorry. But, uh, but yeah, it, I had to like cut out like all the border crossing uh, parts of the article that we're talking about uh, how, how he came across the border and everything. So anyways, yes, that was, that was Texas man trying to smuggle 136 condoms worth of meth into the country. Man, people sure do like their meth. I guess. I don't, I don't I mean, I personally don't know anybody who likes meth, but it seems like a lot of people do. I've known well, people that I mean, used to look, like I meth. Mean, I, I did just have surgery and I had Percocet and that's basically meth, right? So, I mean, it, it definitely... No, that's basically heroin. Is it heroin? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So, right. Ryan, you seem to know a lot about this, right? <laughs> I grew up poor, man. I was on the mean streets of Bangor. <laughs> the mean streets of Bangor, Maine. Bangor, uh, Maine. We didn't have any there, fancy heroin. No, heroin. Uh, we, Maine especially, got hit pretty hard with the uh, opioid epidemic. They targeted us. Like, really? It's been yeah, it's been shown Maine was targeted by the pharmaceutical companies for opiates. Interesting, I didn't know that. They did a good job, dude. <laughs> I know a lot of people have ruined their lives over that shit. Not me, but I know quite a few. Uh, yeah. Wow. When they so want anyways, something done, they get it done. Anyways, so Todd, listeners, so- if, if you if you like the Florida Man segment, let me know. I'm I'm trying to come up with like some some different segments. I don't want to just like keep hammering the Florida Man like every week. I want to come up with something, keep it fresh, keep it interesting. Um, the problem is that we get guests on here all the time where they're like, "All right, I'm ready for Florida Man. I'm 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 you know I, I, I'm I'm expecting it." And it's like, well, okay, that's great and all, but uh, I don't yeah. want to just you know keep doing the same thing all the time. Like we had to keep it fresh. We had to keep it interesting. So. Uh, if you guys love Florida, man, you don't want me to change a thing, shoot me a DM. Otherwise, I'm going to try and change it up. We're going to come up with some, mm-hmm. some new and interesting stuff. You could do like, instead of where in the world is Carmen San Diego, you could do where in the world is Florida, man. That was a KH Daily suggestion. Actually, he DM me a couple weeks ago saying oh. that I, was, I should do something like that. So um, we might we might change it up. We might come up with something a little different. We can go back to the the fake headlines. We could. I, I liked that. You know how you have just rate read off all of the the headlines and then get people to guess which one's the fake one. You know, different stuff like that, or in an entirely new direction, come up with something. So I just don't want it. I don't want it to get old. I don't want it to get stagnant. You know, just start reading all the like uh, worst parts of humanity ones. 
that's where we start to get into dark shit again, Ryan. We don't want to do that. <laughs> I, know. I don't really want you to do that. Every, I, I'm <laughs> amazed at some of the stuff that people sent you and they're like, don't play that on the show. Yeah. Also, it is easy to say yes or no for Florida man or not. Uh, so essentially you're just saying or fraud, but maybe it could just be multiple choice where there's always Florida man, but then there's, you know, one in Texas and one in Maine, you know, and then that would, that would make a little more like, you know, that way Florida it's not Florida, 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 they all Florida like- or anywhere else in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. So anyways, so Todd, you mentioned uh, earlier you had some, you had a surgery on your Achilles. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit more about that and kind of, cause I mean, yeah. that's, that's pretty drastic. I mean, all of us are, are pretty active people. I mean, a lot of us have uh, certain mental aspects where we can't stand sitting down. I mean, that, that must've been pretty rough. Like, let's hear about it. Yeah, man. Um, I mean, my whole life, I've always been very, very active. I was always in sports, you know, I was in football, basketball, I was on the weightlifting team. Cause well, cause we had to, I wasn't like ripped. Um, <clears throat> but you know, I, it was so insane that like one day I was just getting like a pain in the back of my, in the back of my heel. And it, it was bugging me so bad that like, it would, it would make me sit down. So I was sitting down for like, you know, a couple of days, but then it was new year's Eve in 2018 going into 2019. So it was new year's Eve. And I sat down to talk to the pastry chef in the pastry chef's room at one of our restaurants here in Vegas. And I sat down on a crate like you do as a, as a cook, you know, Ryan knows what I'm talking about. And I sat down mm-hmm. on a crate and just like, Hey, let's talk about this menu tonight, blah, blah, blah. And I could not get up. And I've never, and I've never experienced that before. You know, I've always kind of, you know, been very, um, you know, I'm, I'm not very sensitive to injuries. You know, I'm just like, come on, dude, walk it off. You know, that's always been my attitude. That was my dad's attitude. That's, you know, it's an East Coast thing too. I'm from Philadelphia. So it's just like, get some fucking balls and just <laughs> do your job, you know, but I could not get up. I honestly, I, and I stood up and I sat right back down and I, I couldn't put even, you know, 10 pounds on my foot, let alone 200 pounds. And I was like, okay, well, there's something really, really wrong. And I finished the night on New Year's Eve. And, you know, I mean, restaurants are crazy busy on New Year's Eve um, sitting all night. And that's rough. I mean, I run around. I mean, people that that work for me or with me, they know I run around. I never stop up your ass all day, all night. And I could not be (laughs) from my seat. So, um, you know, I went in for my, uh, I went in for x-rays and they put me in all the machines and all that. And they were like, yeah, I think you tore your Achilles cause there's nothing wrong with your bone. There's nothing with anything. And, um, I ended up going to that doctor for about a year and a half until, you know, I mean, I'm just paying and paying and paying and, and we tried everything. We tried a minor surgery. Um, it wouldn't, it wouldn't fix it. And then I just switched doctors because I'm like, you know, nothing's more important than your health. Um, I went out of my network and I, I paid a lot more uh, to go to like the one of the best doctors here in Las Vegas for for podiatry. And uh, and lo and behold, he, he did another X-ray and it was my Achilles and my bone. And it was almost like I, I guess I tore my Achilles and then it, it healed itself because I'm still young enough. I'm 39. So I tore my Achilles and then it healed and then I tore it and then it healed and it was just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Cause you know, it's just like a scab inside your body at that point. And Scar then, tissue. yeah. And then what it was doing was it was, it was attaching to my bone. And then every time I tore it, it would tug at my bone and your bone just grows the way it wants to. So then I'm creating 
a bone that's almost like a, a spur that's pulling pouring out of my my uh, my heel. So between my, my Achilles and the bone, this new surgery, then I, he had to go in and cut my Achilles, split it down the center, cut it away from my bone, grind my bone away, um, sew it back to my actual ankle, and then uh, you know I have a gnarly scar right now. <laughs> Because of it, oh, but sure. I'm walking now. I mean, I'm just like now I'm like a baby again. Because it like I can walk if I think about it, but if I just stand up and walk to the other side of the room, I'm I'm limping because I've done that for now you know months. So I just have to learn how to walk properly again. Mm -hmm. Crazy, feeling old. So do they say like kind of what the cause of that was Is that just from being on your feet in kitchens for so many yeah. years or? Yeah, they said it's a couple things. They said it's obviously it's my career that that's probably 70% of it. But then, you know, they say it also is uh, um, a little bit of, um, you know, being being almost overreactive, not overactive, not knowing when to stop. So just pushing myself too hard. And, you know, I'm, I'm stronger in my mind than I am in my. So I'll, you know, I'll be the guy that's arm wrestling you and I'll my arm will break before I give up. Like I, I, it's just the type of person that I am. So now I'm just paying for it later on in life. Gotcha. I got the lecture from the doctor for quite a while. I heard <laughs> that. I feel that. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That so limping do... thing that happens to me with gout. If I have like Ooh. a bad gout flare that lasts a couple of weeks, my yeah. like, my other muscles will get sore from me compensating, not putting pressure on that foot. And like, yeah. Yeah. That's the other thing. Like if, if you're used to that, I mean, that's going to throw your hips out of alignment. That's going to screw up a lot of other stuff that you're going to have to, I mean, you're probably gonna have to deal with that for a while after the surgery and getting over it and stuff. Right. Yeah. I mean, this is a nine month recovery um, at best. He said at my age, I'll probably heal in six months and I'll be fine. He even said I'll be running, which I'm really scared because I haven't ran since 2018 now, <laughs> which is crazy. Almost five years. I, I have not been able to run. That's that is brutal, nuts. Yeah. So did you listen to the episode with Ira Housework? I sure did. Shout out to he, Ira. <laughs> yeah, he gave you a shout out. He asked us to bring up edge geometry with you or bevel geometry or knife geometry in general. What's your thoughts on uh, geometry, being a chef as well as a knife maker? Okay, so um, I'm I'm so glad that he said that because as soon as he said that and I was listening, I was I couldn't wait to get on and talk about it. Um, sounds very like uh, self soothing here, but um, to be honest, no, like it's something it's something that I talk almost every single time to any of any any client or any chef that wants a knife from me because even me making knives now for, you know, in, I'm into my second year. Um, sometimes I forget to kind of bring that up and I'll make a, a point to speak about it for about like 15, 20 minutes, just so they understand what they want. Um, and when I would buy a knife as a chef, and this is still now, if I buy a knife as a chef, I don't, I don't necessarily think of the edge geometry before you look at the knife itself, you know, like sex sells, right? So you look at it, it's gorgeous. I like it. Um, you know, the handle and the colors and all the things that you see on Instagram, you cannot really convey in edge, edge geometry. You can say that it's, you know, a, a flat grind and you can say, I mean, but it doesn't really matter because it's, and who, who brought this up? I think it was Jeff Fader. Okay. He did bring up this, the fact that <clears throat> all the different grinds are almost, they're so close 
close to each other, that it almost doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, unless you're cutting a potato and like, this is my knife for only potatoes forever, which is never the case. That is the only time it would really matter. Because in reality, you just want a really, really sharp edge and you want a really, really thin edge. Like for me, I like a thick spine at the at, in the back because I like the look of a thick spine. I like the feel of it and I like the nice balance. But like the the thinner that edge is, which is why I've always liked Mac knives as a chef, but the thinner that that uh, and you know Mac knives is is just they're worldwide at this point. They do come from Japan. Um, actually, just a quick bookmark. I'm I'm going to Japan in two years um, for my 15th year anniversary with my wife, and um, I have I have a tour with the Mac knife. Uh, you can call it a factory, but it's not really a factory. There's actually guys like in there working with them hands on, which is pretty cool, and finishing knives and all that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take video and post it on on Instagram and all that stuff. Um, and hopefully learn a lot of things because that's kind of the point. Um, but yeah, that's the reason I like Mac knives is because they're so light from, from the heel to the tip. They're so, so, so light. And like, if you get a knife from anywhere else, it's never that case. That's never the case at all. So I don't care. Like, you know, like a lot of guys too, the guy that I know, Brian, he's, he's the, uh, the regional, um, distributor here in America and he flies to Vegas and he does like these big shows for everybody. And he pulls out, you know, geez, 700 knives. Like everybody can just pick up and demo a knife. And that's how like him and I kind of got to talking maybe like 15 years ago. We know each other a long time. And, you know, he's the type of guy that's like, <clears throat> just pick up the knife and feel it. But there's lines of chefs from all over Las Vegas that are like, and they pick up a knife all like cocky and they're like, hmm, and they're trying to balance it on their finger. They don't even know what the fuck they're doing. You know, like you, you balance the knife on your finger. Like, what does that do? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Like, it's a problem if the knife is too heavy. It's a problem if the knife is too you know, um, um, you know, if the, if the bevel is not high enough, essentially, right. It's Cause it's just going to get dull, but it's never a problem that the knife is too thin in my opinion ever. I mean, unless you, you want a cleaver, but there's, it's never a problem to me if the knife's too thin. The only thing I've ever experienced is that the knives that are handmade that I see when I go to blade, when I make myself are never thin enough for me. So even, you know, like I try and field test all my knives. So I travel a lot. So this, this kind of helps. Like I was just in, um, where was I? I was in Milwaukee two days ago and you know, it's like a flex, right? I roll out my knife bag and I have knives from all different makers, even myself. And then I have Mac knives in there, just a knife for everything that I need. And you know, it's like in the kitchen and Ryan, I mean, you know, everybody kind of looks at each other's knives. You know what I mean? Like, Oh shit. Like where'd that come from? Or, you know, Oh, you, this guy's a knife guy, or this guy can really, you know, you can just tell that this guy cares about his knives. I mean, that's where I field test all my knives. If I make you a knife, Ryan, I don't care if I finish it on Monday or if I promised it to you last Wednesday. And if I have to leave on Tuesday and I'm gone for a week, that knife will be tested for a week in Michigan or wherever I'm flying, you know, and, and, and I do that because I'm so self-conscious about how people feel about holding one of my knives because I feel, you know, like, I think I made a comment before. I don't know if it was to you, Ryan, but I do feel like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of giving back to the knife community and I want to buy a knife from all my friend knife makers. And if I haven't bought a knife from you, it doesn't mean I, I don't respect you or like you or, or don't want it. It's just, it, it's a very expensive set, obviously. Um, so I'm getting there. But of the, all the knives that I've got, I still like, I'm still analyzing their, the knife, as you can probably 
for sure figure that I'm, I'm analyzing the knife. Like, could I do this or, or, or should I try to do this? You know, it's never just like, Oh, I want to get a knife from Ryan. I asked for Ryan to make me a boning knife and that way I can fillet fish as a chef. But on the other hand, like that knife sat in my shop for like weeks and I'm just studying it because I never made a boning knife. You know what I mean? Like that, that was, that was my, that was my slicer that I'm looking at. That's like, okay, well, when I start doing AEBL, I'm going to try and do this. I'm going to try and make something like this. So I'm going to try and make a knife that flexes as good as this. Like that was my point. Cause when Ryan asked me, he's like, he's like, Hey, you know, how much flex do you want in the knife? And I was like, you remember? I was like a lot. I want a lot. I want as much as you can put in there. Yeah. So, I don't think I achieved that though. I, yeah, but no, um, maybe, maybe as much as would be on how wide I wanted it. So like, you know what I mean? Like if I were to go and buy a, not even buy, forget that. I have a knife that got, or I don't, I had a knife that got stolen from me because you know, it's, it's war of the worlds in kitchens, right? Now this knife was, I coveted this knife and it was actually by Mac knife, but they stopped making this knife years and years ago. So it was my absolute favorite knife. And I remember sending you a picture of it, Ryan. And that's kind of like what we went, went by um, to try and manipulate, or I'm sorry, try and make the same type of shape and the same length and all that. And I just, the, the flex, the flex on this knife was phenomenal. I loved it. Um, but it got stolen from me and for whatever reason, I mean, I always wanted it to be a little bit wider, but I think when Ryan made it, he made it as wide as I wanted it, but you're not going to put that much flex on a, on a knife that just keeps getting wider and wider and wider. So I yeah. think, I, don't, I mean, that's no, you know, slight at you. That's just, I've always been open about how I feel about that knife. You I know, think you talked I, about I that on a previous episode. Where do I have it? I have it across the room. I'll grab it when, uh, when I can later. But no, I love it. I love it because it, I mean, it's, it's unique. Nobody will ever have a knife like that. It doesn't exist. Yeah. I won't make another one. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so, so, so going back to the, the geometry and everything, you said you, you have never had an issue with a knife being too thin. Are you talking about the overall width of, at it, of it at the spine? Are you talking about depth of bevels? Are you talking about the actual geometry at the end where you want you want a zero edge, basically? Like, what exactly yeah, are you saying with I'm that? I'm mostly talking about uh, a half inch to three quarters inch above the second bevel. So thinning it there uh, as much as humanly, as much as machine, machinery possible. Um, just because every knife that I've picked up that I did that um, – that I just didn't push in the sides enough. Um, it's a very tiresome knife. It's a very, very tiresome knife. It's, it's a knife I don't want to use and it sucks. You know, I mean, you, you both make knives and, and, and most people listening make knives. Um, but you, you probably don't use knives like I do. And so nope, it, not it, at all. it sucks to have a knife that you, you know, blood, sweat and tears, and then you don't like it. It's like redheaded stepchild. <laughs> it's like, I don't want you. <laughs> so it just sucks. You know, it's, it's mine, but I can do nothing about it. And then also there's something in me too. That's like, I don't know what it is, but I posted about it. I was proud of it. You know, I'm just like, yeah, I'm about to field test this. And then I secretly slowly don't like it because it's either, it, 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 you know what? No, it's always too heavy. If I don't like it, I'm not saying all my knives are, but, but if I don't like it, it's because it's too heavy. So, you know, to Ira's question, the, the number one thing that's going to get chefs coming back is going to have a thin edge on it 
that they will not have to retire after three, four years because they've pushed their edge so much, you know, and, and by like, they don't have to like thin the walls themselves. Uh, most chefs don't even understand that. Most chefs don't even understand high carbon, let alone most chefs don't even understand the difference between high carbon and stainless steel. They don't, most chefs. And when I say most chefs, I'm, I mean like 85% of chefs. It's embarrassing. Yeah, most, most customers don't know high carbon no, most versus. Chefs. Yeah. Most, most, chefs. most customers, it's 95%. I would say close to a hundred percent with most, most mm -hmm. customers, but I mean, chefs, okay. it's just, so specifically, that is gotcha. so embarrassing. This uh, embarrassing of a percentage that I will confidently say. You know, it's sad. It really is. Wow. What about now so, I'm depressed? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let, let, let's uh, let's bring up another subject that gets brought up a lot, uh, especially with Ryan. Uh, compound grinds. Do chefs know what food retention is? Oh, I love this. So, like, <laughs> food retention is. I, I'll be honest with you. I feel like it's more important to have a sharp edge than it is the, the, gr the grind in the side. So the, the whole like convex grinds, the, you know, I think they look great. I feel like, I don't feel like they're a, a fad or a trend, but I think that they only matter when you're doing um, potatoes. I'm not offended. I, I mean, I really feel like that. I truly, truly, truly feel like that. Actually, Ryan, I mean, I, I, I talked to you about like the beautiful like channels and your knives. And I, I've always said that. I was just like, dude, your grinds are fucking great. And I was stupid enough to post like a live video of me trying that and just like the abortion that happened. And so like I won't do it. So my my opinion on it is not based on the fact that I can't do it. My opinion on it is only that it is such a uh, not even a secondary need for a chef to have that. I think, and this is purely you know my own opinion. I think it's just for looks or just for the flex that it's not like any other knife. That's what I think. Because I will. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Because I mean, there's some makers out there that make some amazing looking no, compound I, grinds. Look, whether it's S grinds, the B grinds that I've seen, stuff like that. I'm just talking like straight up usability. Grinds, People yeah. in a professional kitchen, do they even know what no what food retention is? Do they even care? No, they don't care. They don't care. They don't care. Especially, yeah. Uh, if you, can if I you put in my two cents as somebody who does shitloads of diamond grinds? Yes. Yes, please. I agree with you, and that's probably. <laughs> not like the smartest business thing to go by but mine specifically my bevels go about halfway up the blade and then the other half is the hollow for that to matter with food retention i'd have to push that hollow probably at least down another quarter inch maybe three-eighths of an inch yeah i'd say a half inch down and that's yeah and that's what i mean i mean that food release is is it's like a trend it's like a fad it's like a it's like a buzzword in my opinion, it's a buzzword. Nobody gives a shit. Like I have, and I hate to be so passionate about this, but like, you know, Ira, come on. I, I, I am like the first guy to be like, 
everybody loves a slicer, like a chef loves a slicer, which is why mine was stolen, right? So I had a, an 11, 11 inch slicer that was probably like 11 and a half inches, but I loved it so much that I had sharpened it so much and I've honed it so much that it was like a toothpick. And that's like, you know, as a chef, you covet that, you know, you, you, you covet the, the toothpick look. You're just like, man, I've had this knife for six years and look how much look how much work it's done look how much money has it's put in my pocket you know that's kind of like a flex right that and the knife patina on high carbon knives if if a chef opens up a chef knife roll and there's high car carbon knives in there and you can see that beautiful blue patina in there i mean that's just like hard on material like like chefs <laughs> really like you just look at that and they're just like okay this is, it's, it's a golden glove you know people look at that and like okay this guy knows what the fuck he's doing like Nobody that doesn't know what they're doing is going to have that knife. And that's true. That's, that's really, unless it was stolen. God damn it. <laughs> so, so this, this, this toothpick, big ass slicer that, mm-hmm. uh, that all chefs love. What's the, what's the main use of, of something like that? Um, okay. So I called it my halibut knife, but it was also my salmon knife. And I mean, I could use it as a paring knife. It was just so, so versatile. And it's because it had like crazy flex on it. You know, I, I'd say if I were to, if I were to like put it at a 45 degree angle and I push down, I could hit the cutting board. Like it was, it was so flexible. Um, but again, and this kind of goes to my, my point earlier is like, obviously as I'm making it, you know, not as wide, it's getting more flexible because it's becoming more of a toothpick. So it easily flexes, you know. But, you know, a, a knife that, that has some flex to it has more versatility, and that's just what it is. Speaking of a cleaver, I'm waiting for mine from uh, from Nick from Pickle Cutters. He, I got a cleaver from him. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, can, I, can I go swing back around to Diamond Grinds real quick? Yeah, please I'd do. Like, I'd, li- I'd like to share why I do them. I'm not trashing. And- <laughs> <laughs> no, I know you're not. I know you're not. You're being realistic, and realistically, I mean – Talk to a chef while well, I'm stepping in those shoes right now. You know, that's what mm. um, I do them for a couple reasons. One, they get good traction. People like them. You know, when you see when you see those that grind, that's you know, people un- appreciate it. Um, for two, they're popular, so I sell a lot of them, mm-hmm. and almost to like to a point where like. I was just talking to Pickle yesterday where I feel like I'm getting stagnant in what I'm doing in my grinds because I'm doing, I just shit on somebody for this like two weeks ago. It like, uh, I'm doing the same group of knives over and over and over again. Cause that's what people are buying. So event, I think soon I'm going to go back to the drawing board and my chef knives, but, and three, they're hard. They're really hard to do. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a very difficult grind. So the more I do them, it makes all the other grinds I do so much easier. Like a flat grind is nothing to me anymore. Because, I, I mean, imagine doing a flat grind, but then doing it over the Grand Canyon. You got to, you know, so it, it helps me grow in my skill set by doing diamond grinds because they are difficult to do. And it's it's super hard to get like the exit point on the tip of the blade to have everything the same on all sides with the rounds and the flats and like, yeah, it's a challenge. So I enjoy it. Your stuff looks machined, man. I, I'll give you that. It looks fucking great. Really good. I've Thank told you, you multiple times. Thank you. Well, 
and, and back to what I was saying about whether or not chefs know about food retention. The thing is, is that people that are knife enthusiasts, they do know what it is. And so it does matter when you're selling to a home chef who wants something really special mm-hmm. when they grab it out of their knife block or they have it hanging on their magnet that it's got that compound grind. And that's like Ryan said, that's why they sell. Um, I wasn't trying to shit on anybody because I, like I said, there's some amazing people out there doing amazing things with compound grinds. And I love, I mean, I love seeing cool compound grinds when I'm scrolling through Instagram and stuff like that. Like that's so cool to me. Um, the reason I asked the question is because for those of you who are, you know, looking down on yourselves or, Oh, I'm just doing flat ground chefs or I'm just doing this or whatever. I can't get to that level. Take it easy on yourself. Yeah, man, just do it. Don't be afraid to fuck a knife up. Like I feel like a lot of up and coming makers are they're afraid to mess up. Don't be afraid to mess up. If it takes me four hours to grind a knife, two of those hours I've spent fixing fuck ups. Yeah, and the next one's going to be better. Yeah, it uh, you get really good at fixing mistakes being a knife maker. I feel like. Because you never true. know when you're just gonna bump the grinder the wrong way and you're gonna have a little fucking divot. No, oh, yeah, god damn it. Yeah. All right. So, fair enough. Let's right. switch over. I want to wrap up the show talking about our newest sponsor because Todd has the whole Ameribraid package, as far as I'm aware. That's right. So he has he has the most experience out of anybody I know with Ameribraid products. And Ameribraid is our newest sponsor. We appreciate them. Everybody go check them out. We, promo code is still in the works. Um, we're working on seeing what they can do with the capabilities of the website because it's going to be like some probably something off a machine and a percentage off accessories, something along those lines. So it takes a little work to figure it out, but we're going to get it. And, uh, yeah, everybody go check out Ameribraid. What's your experience with Ameribraid, Todd? I absolutely love it. I mean, I've had mine now for um, just under two years. Um, and you know what's funny is that, and I don't want to mention another name because I don't want anyone to feel like I'm checking them at all, but I, I, I think that they're all very, very good. Um, it's just a matter of skill level when it comes to, like, Brian House. Like, I, I don't have a welder. You know, I've never welded before. And so that was immediately out of the question for me. Um, I looked at that and I didn't want to pay a local welder to do something because I never trust anybody else um, for stuff like that. And so that kind of was out. And then uh, I looked at a couple other packages and I felt at the time, and I didn't know the Ameribraid guys at that time, I felt that um, you get the most bang for your buck for the Ameribraid. And this, like I said, this is two years ago. So I think maybe it's went up maybe 200 bucks or something maybe. Um, but like for me now, I'm so sold on the amount of just the, the sheer customer service that I've gotten from Kevin and Eric. I mean, they're, they, they, they both, I mean, I've met them multiple times at all the shows, you know, obviously I'm in like the, the convention capital of the world here in Vegas and they're up here probably five, six times a year. So anytime they're here, I just, we, we happen to have three restaurants at at the convention center. So I'm just like, let me just go do my job. And I go, I go over and I check on the restaurants and then I swing by and I see the guys, um, you know, and, and I went from, like I said, I, I, I cook carrots and potatoes for a living. I don't, I don't, 
You know, like I, I always say that because I want to stay humble and I want everybody to realize that I'm I'm never, you know, boasting about being a knife maker. If I post, it's because I'm proud of myself. You know, it's like, look what I did. Holy shit. I cook carrots and potatoes. Don't forget. And I can do this. So, you know, like I would go to these guys with any types of issues, problems. Like I'm not the type of guy that has a, a full garage of tools, but now I do. So like they were with me there from like, oh shit, I need this. And now I need this. It wasn't just the Ameribrade. Um, the amount of advice I've gotten for them, the amount of demos they did with me, like hand in hand, like at the, you know, at the convention center, like, Hey, let's, you know, if you're looking at doing a surface grinder, check this out. And just like being able to handle the surface grinder and see how intuitive and easy it is. Like, it's amazing. So, I mean, that's, it's definitely like, um, a first world problem that you don't, if you don't have a surface grinder. Um, but if you do have a, a attachment, I mean, but if you do finally get one, you'll know what I mean, that it's just like the Porsche of grinder attachments for no, really for a Maribraid, because, you know, it, it is probably the most expensive attachment they have. But if you just look at the quality, you look at the videos that they post about it. And then beyond all that, I had mine for probably like eight months. And I remember reaching out to uh, Kevin and I was like, Hey, um, I want to do a full detail. I'm, I'm kind of cleaning my shop today. Is there any way to re like take apart this um, grinder or the, the grinder attachment? And he's like, oh yeah, totally. So you like, you know, he sent me a bunch of text messages that are like, do this. And then you do this. And then I, I think I even replied with my famous quote, like I cook carrots and potatoes for a living. Like, is there a better, is there better material you can give me than this? Like, is there something written or drawn down? This guy did a video real time and sent it to me and multiple videos. He was just like, okay, I'm going to send you right now. This is how you take this off. And he sent the video. Like you could tell he just did it from his phone to help me. And then he's like, okay, next, next step, you're going to do this. And then at the end of it, like I had a whole table full of all the different parts that, you know, it wasn't a ton, but it was probably like four very key components that I wouldn't have been able to take apart. Like, you know what I mean? Like I know Ryan was like, oh, I could take apart a VCR and put it back together. Like me, I can smash a VCR. <laughs> but, like, take it apart and put it back together office space but like honestly like it was just amazing that they were able to like give me the care and attention like these guys are making hundreds of units like every month and they're able to stop what they're doing and be like yeah todd absolutely and and send me a personal video a personal video that's just like you know here's how you do this so i was i was always blown away by their customer service because they've always gotten back to me very timely all different things that I needed, questions, comments, concerns. Um, and, you know, obviously they wanted to be part of the community too. So they would always be very interactive with me. They would share anything that I posted. Um, but, you know, that right there was like, it's completely sealed the deal for me. Just such great customer service, great guys too. Um, and they're not like originally knife makers either. So, you know, I think the knife making kind of came after that. They're like fab fabricators and they work on cars and stuff like that. That's kind of what started it. Um, I don't know the full, full story, but I've, I've also seen them kind of grow up from where they, where they were to, you know, this whole massive shop and, you know, build it from the ground up. I mean, just like Brian house, I mean, to build all this from the ground up from one small little shop into now what they, what everybody has is amazing. And you know, I have no biasness against anything. I just know Ameribrade is, has always been good to me and, and they do make attachments for that. I, I think that can retrofit as well. Yeah. So you're just saying for you, it made more sense to have a bolt, either a bolt together or a prefabbed machine than a DIY machine. It came and ready. Uh, yeah. Came ready to go. I think a lot of people are in the same boat, you know, I mean, yeah. um, it, it, it takes time to assemble stuff. 
and yeah, totally. I mean, well, I mean, there's 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 people who enjoy building the tools to to make the knives, and then there's other people who just want to make the knives, and you know, you just you just can't can't slow down the making the knives to to build a tool. You just need it, and you need it to work, and you need it to work all the time, and that's what you get. And you were I've built all my tools, including my heat treat oven. And I'm done building my own tools. <laughs> if I if I get another oven, I'm just gonna buy one. I'll just put it on a credit card or something, or you know, they got financing, whatever. Save up the cash. But it's just it's I don't have the time anymore. You know, that's a good thing, man. That's a good you, thing. You, you get to that point, and yeah. uh, just real quick before we stop talking about a mirror braid, uh, a few episodes back we had Matt Berger on, and we were talking about surface grinding attachments and stuff, and he asked specifically. Oh, hey, does, you know, we were talking about a different surface grinding attachment. You know, does it have on off magnets to be able to clean your chuck off? And that is one of the things that the Ameribraid does have. Not only can you completely disassemble it, like Todd was saying, but each one of those magnets is an on off magnet. So you can get that surface completely clean. You can get your material on and off of there without pinching your fingers every single time. You don't have to have, you know, a sheet of something behind it. Um, it's, it really is. I mean, I don't have one yet, but I'm going to, and that is such an amazing, uh, feature to have, to, to have a, a versatile machine like that, that is so precise and you can make those uh, tiny adjustments and, you know, whether you're doing taper tangs or, or whatever it is, you can do all that without surface grinder and those on off magnets. It's, it's, I was just going to ask that unit. if it, if it has the axis adjustment to do tapered tangs. Because I just love the look of a tapered tang. I'm not. I think he actually just did a an attachment for uh, integral bolsters. Um, they. I don't know if they released it yet, but he always he talks about something for a couple of months, and then he finally does release it. I'm not. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. So there's some little things that I don't have uh, because they don't really pertain to me. <clears throat> I believe it does, uh, Ryan. I, I like I said, I don't have the machine, but I thought I saw someone using that that machine to do uh, a tapered tank setup because I think it has the capability of all the all the adjustment and the tilting. And someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that is the case. So yeah, and if you're making your own surface grinder attachment, because I know a lot of guys are doing that now, um, they sell just the releasable magnets on the website. Ooh, I did not know that. Yeah, so you go into the miscellaneous section, they've got just the magnet with the knob on it. Yeah, and you know what's cool is that I want to say it comes with four four or five, and there's slots there if you want to put more on there. So if you do smaller knives, if you do longer knives, there's slots there so you can expand, not necessarily expand it, but you can put more magnets on there for it to make sense for whatever you do. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, or if you've you got like, you can just move them from one side to the other. If yeah. you need more on one mm-hmm. side, that's cool. Yeah. That's but, cool. Yeah. We love those guys. They've been super cool with me and Noah, um, with the sponsorship and everything. And they were, they didn't even hesitate yet. Yeah, we're happy to help you guys. It's awesome. Um, we're happy to help them by shouting them out. I mean, this is, it's kind of crazy because they're a big deal. You know, I got yeah. a lot of messages when we posted that. Yep. Like how'd super, you do that? I asked. Super happy to have them on. Yep. A couple of great guys. So and it works out too because they do cars and trucks and like small engine, like go-kart type stuff and stuff like that. And that's like me and Noah's bread and butter. 
Yeah, yep. and they just lost their Instagram, actually. It only happened like two weeks ago, but they're trying to build up their uh, their followers again. So that was pretty detrimental because, you know, social media means so much nowadays. Yeah, we can't like do what we do without it. You know what I mean? Most of right. friggin' 90% of my sales are something I've got to ship somewhere that they saw me on Instagram. Yep. I'm just trying. So, I'm just gonna pull them up and see what they got for. Uh, they're up to 2,300 now. Ameribraid so, official on on Instagram. Go give them yeah. a follow. Ameribraid underscore. Post, they post a lot of really cool content as well. So yeah. I actually, they yeah. uh, Kevin actually post. I think it was Kevin posted a, a video the other day of like every DIY video and it's like, Hey, we're going to be doing this. And then the next screen is him over at his like giant oh, yeah. lathe. He's like, so if you don't have this, you can use the smaller one. Yeah. It's freaking hilarious. It's like every single video is like that. So very yeah, de- definitely. They're a, they're a good follow, whether you intend to buy from them or not. Like they have some good content. So go support those guys. We appreciate it. Yeah. Well, this has been a good one guys. Yeah. You got anything else you want to talk about, Todd or Noah? I do. I have a question. Yeah, what's up? Okay, so we talked a crap ton about blade geometry and everything. Uh, Todd, I want to ask you about handles. When a chef looks at a chef knife, does he only want an octagonal wah-style handle, or do they actually, like, care about, like, the Western style and, you know, sculpted handles, that sort of stuff? Yeah, this this is a frustrating one for me too. So my bag, I have some uh, like Ryan made actually. Ryan made me, shit. <laughs> um, but personally, I I like a, a shapely handle, uh, a, a more Western style. That's just personal. Um, I don't know. I, I I feel like chefs are like, you know what I mean? It's like it's like an NBA player that has a sponsorship with Reebok or Nike. It's like I only wear Reebok or I only wear Nike. It's the same thing as like I. I only identify as a Japanese knife handling chef. Like, you know what I mean? Like these guys have their heads so far up their ass because of, you know, what they think they should portray themselves as when reality, it's just like how it feels in your hand. So, you know, I guess I get passionate when I talk about stuff like this too, because it's really annoying. I, I don't even know why I offer to do the, the octagonal kind of style. Cause I don't like that look really. Um, I don't want to be a guy that, that does that look. Um, but th- I've gotten, probably 40% of my knives where people are like, could you do it like uh, Chinese style? And they don't even know what the fuck it's called. So <laughs> you know, that's, that's, it goes into my whole thing of like the whole embarrassment thing. Like once you get to a certain level as a chef, you're a manager, you know what I mean? Like you, 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 you stop cooking. So these guys are, are, you know, they, they want to buy a knife, they get the knife and then they don't use the knife. So it's all about looks or it's about, you know, that, that you're, you're copping that Nike. You're the Nike it's it's the know. perception that they're looking for. That's right. In, in my defense, I believe you asked me for a geometric handle, didn't you? You know why I did that? And I and I remember telling you. It's not in your defense. I'm not slamming you at all. But <laughs> I telling you I, specifically, and I'm glad you brought that up, is because you. I wanted everybody that I ordered a knife from to do something that I don't do. So I, I don't do... Uh, uh, hidden tangs. I wanted that. And I know he does that. I don't do stainless steel, or at least I didn't at the time. And I, so I wanted him to do that. So, you know, it's, it's important that, that I, I'm being taught uh, how to do different things by 
you know, getting a hold of people's work in my, in my bag, in my shop. Totally. And then giving so, back to the community too. I, I think, I feel like that's important because, you know, everybody, you know, everybody wants to do like, Oh, a raffle, a waffle. And, but like, I'm, I, I've done a couple, but I, I honestly don't like that. I hate, I don't gamble really. So I don't like losing. And that's just, I did, I, every waffle I've ever jumped into, I lost and I'm just like, God damn it. Well, it's ever, I come feel back. guilty. I've done a couple. And after I, after I'm done with them, I feel guilty because, you know, some guys will buy 10 tickets. Some guys will buy one. And it's usually somebody who buys one that wins. And it's like, fuck, I feel bad now. The shout out to, uh, to Nick from, from pickle, because I know his sister-in-law, um, he was able to at least get some, I mean, a lot came from that. So he was able to get some money, uh, scrounged up from, from the community. I mean, it's such a, it's such an interactive community. And obviously Jason Knight's going through his fire ordeal too. And, you know, yeah. Has and Pickle dropped do. that yet? No, uh, he's working on that right now. He's kind of figuring okay. out an end date. Um, I think it's going to be in the next week or two. So if you guys want to get in on that still, you can go check out uh, Pickle Cutters on Instagram and and get on that. Last I heard, I think he was right around 13 grand raised um, no. that family. Well done, everyone. And yeah. there is a crap ton of prizes from everyone, from Ryan Coakley to Maritime Knife Supply and a bunch of different knife makers, myself included, who sent him uh, different pieces that are going to be um, different prizes. So um, he's working on how to split that all up. There's going to be quite a few drawings that he's going to have to do for, I think, close to 30 total prizes that are going to be a part of that that raffle. So Yeah, it's going to be a long life. That's for sure. Absolutely. So yeah, he's working on getting somebody to help him out with it because he can't just do it by himself. So um, well done, everybody. Um, I know we've talked about it on every episode, I think, since he since he posted that. So that's, that's going to mean a lot to a family that's going to be going through some some really hard shit, you know, some yeah. surgery, cancer. I mean, it's, 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 it's no good. Bad things happen. And, and that's why we're here is to, to help it go a little smoother. And same with Jason Knight. I mean, he's raised a, a bunch of money to help rebuild his shop. He's posting uh, live videos, I think every day, um, talking about the process of rebuilding and going through and cleaning and everything like that. So, um, there's been a couple of different, uh, I think there was a GoFundMe, um, Trojan horse forge, um, raffled off one of their knife vices to raise money for him. I didn't so get in on a, that in time. I need a knife vice too. I missed that one. I was bummed. You wouldn't want anyways, probably. Probably not. I do. <laughs> I've only won one raffle and it was a uh, megabyte clockwork aprons, whatever her name is, Megan. I think uh, I won one of her leather aprons, but I had entered in enough raffles of hers to pay for an apron. So it's kind of like by that time lay away. Yeah. yeah. Well, and back to what you guys were saying about feeling bad. Like, I don't think you should feel bad. I've done, I think only one, one raffle I've done and everyone who entered was doing it just to support me. If you're doing a raffle, people are entering it to support you as a maker because they like you. They believe in what you're doing. They're not necessarily doing it just to win something. Right. Obviously everyone, everyone knows that odds are, you know, Against are, you. So. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I'm sure you know that, Todd, living in Vegas. The house right. always wins. Oh, man. <clears throat> so back to yeah. handles just quickly. So 
wah-style handles, obviously everything is personal preference, but for the most part, what's your, your, your official take on it? Uh, me, uh, I'm, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. I feel, I feel like they belong on Chinese cleavers. That's just my opinion. Uh, but uh, everybody, I see Ryan's face. Everybody, <laughs> I'm like, I, you're my buddy. I'm like, how do you love my work? You fucking uh, hate everything I do. <laughs> everyone else um, that has ordered a knife for me, I, like I said, my percentage is probably 60% Todd, do you? And 40%, hey, could you do the Chinese look? Um, and that's what they call it. I mean, they call it the, the square or they call it the, the Chinese style handle or the, you know, the, the Japanese style handle. Um, so it's like 60, 40. Um, it's just a preference. Uh, it doesn't make it a better knife. I, in, in my opinion, I don't, I don't even think it's a better handling knife, especially for knives that are, um, you know, meant for more intricate work. I see like pairing knives that are, that are kind of like octagonal as well. And I'm just like, well, that's fine, I guess, if you're twisting it in your hand. But if you have that on a chef knife and you're and you're meant to go or, or not necessarily in a chef knife, but if you have it on a boning knife and you're meant to go around, you know, bones. I mean, look at me this morning. I posted about a boning knife that I did for Chef uh, Eugenio is, is his name, but he's a he's a big chef here in Las Vegas. And this is the fourth knife he's got for me. Every single one has to match. So every single one has that kind of like octagonal look. Um, and this is the last one. And I had asked him, I go, are you sure? You want this, you know, the same handle. It's going to match regardless because it's Koa wood. And he's like, and, and white G10. And he's like, yes, I want it to be the same. And I'm like, God damn it. So I made it. And I'm just like, well, and every time, like I'm there about ready to package it up like I do. And they're like, I do butcher paper and stuff. Um, but I'm, I'm like rolling it in the butcher paper. I'm like, wait a minute. Like I couldn't use this. Like it's so hard to to manipulate with your hand, like with your wrist and everything. Like I can't like get it in there with my, with my fingers. Like, so a knife like that, like there's zero thought behind it. Besides, so to me, I'm just like, that's perfect. That's preference for most chefs. Like for me, I'm not going to order that knife aside from Ryan. Thanks buddy. <laughs> so, so as far as like a chef knife, when you're, you know, let's say you're, you're pinch gripping it and stuff. Um, that, that shape of that handle still matters, you know, whether you've got, you know, two yeah. fingers on the blade, the, the rest of that handle, the rest of the, you know, how you're gripping it, that really matters when you're manipulating whatever it is that you're working on. That's right. When you're putting any type of force behind it, you're not doing a pinch grip. Pinch grip is more for intricate. And, you know, I switch depending on what I'm doing. If like, for example, I'm taking apart like a primal um, ribeye and it has Mm -hmm. the the bone ribs in there. So you can take every other one out. So you can make these massive tomahawks. Um, You know, I switch from pinch grip as soon as I go up against my bone, I'm on a pinch grip and then I come back and when I go to cut the whole thing, I'm, I'm holding the entire handle. Um, So for me, it's important to be able to switch back and forth and I do it subconsciously, you know, as I'm working through the the material, because I'm not necessarily thinking, oh, time for a pinch grip or time for some light work here. Like you're not thinking like that. You're just getting the shit done as a chef. You're just pushing through. In my defense, I don't do total octagons anymore. I have started adding facets and curve the sides, so it's got like a belly to it. I love you, Ryan. You just started. <laughs> the last we're, we're two sentences to... you said were like, they started with in my defense. <laughs> like, so, this is your we're, podcast. We're, I'm totally what, not what, trying to attack you. What, on your what was the previous title to this uh, to this this episode, Ryan? Was <laughs> it 
Toddzilla. <laughs> we're going to change it to Toddzilla shits on Ryan or something like that. No, it's I have broad shoulders. It's fine. So, it's fine. So, so anyway, so for myself, I mean, I've never been in the kitchen. I don't know anything about that. So when I'm building it, you know, when I'm shaping a knife, I'm, I'm thinking about, hey, how is it going to be held? And I'm not thinking about the fact that you're going to be using multiple grips on it. I'm thinking about, I want to make this to where it'll work for different people who use multiple grips. Cause some people use a pinch grip. Some people hold it, you know, however they hold it. Some people hold it with their finger on the spine for crying, you know, their, their first finger out on the spine or something like that. I've seen a lot of, um, but I'm not necessarily thinking, Hey, one person is going to use this knife in all these different positions. So that's, that's just a, an interesting way of thinking about it that I didn't have before. So. I yeah. I that. mean, I think the ergonomic feel is very, very important uh, to most chefs. And I, but I, I say that, as a knife maker, that's mostly a chef. I say that as like, you know, what we should kind of kind of keep in our mind um, because it's more sub subconscious than anything when it comes to being a chef. Like I will say that the the handle and I've mentioned this on a different podcast. <clears throat> I will say that the handle that, that Neil from Maximus Knives made for me is the most cherry handle that I own. And and just because it is so ergonomic and I had asked him specifically for a, another, you know, three quarters of an inch on the back handle for me, just because that is all style. That is what I like. I like to, I like to have, um, how do I explain this? It's like a samurai sword to where you have that extra play in the back if you need it. Um, I had specifically asked the same thing from Ryan. Ryan you, you may remember that as well. So, you know, if, if you guys make a five inch handle, which is usually pretty standard five, five and a quarter, um, I'll ask for five and three quarters or, or six inch handle, which sounds ridiculous. It doesn't mean I have these massive mitts. It just means that it helps me kind of manipulate the knife. You know, I'll choke back more if I'm pressing down hard on, on you know, with my my French knife that that uh, Neil made for me. But, you know, that thing's so ergonomic. And I remember he, he cares a lot about it, too. He sent me videos and pictures and, you know, what it looks like on his hand and it looks like with his pinch grip. You know, he's very kind of like conscious about, you know, how the ergonomic ergonomity or is that even a word? of the knife itself. So, I mean, I really appreciated that. So I'm trying to kind of take a page from his book, um, from my knives, and I'm trying to actually talk people out of the whole was style handle look. Um, I don't even know what's that called. I, I don't think that's what it's called. Cause the was about like, you know, fitting it in, but the, the, I don't know. The dowel method. Yeah. The da exactly. The dowel with the, with the cut in it. But I, I just feel like that, that octagonal, like you had said is, is, um, it almost works against me, um, especially when I'm trying to be a little more intricate. I'm just repeating myself at this point. But yeah, no, Neil. No. Neil did a great job uh, making it very ergonomic for my hand. Um, and, and not only that, but like he spends more time on his handles than anybody. I mean, this guy spends like five hours on a handle. Yeah, that's, and you, that's you, more than you, I spend. You want to say it's unnecessary, but the, the shit, it looks cherry as hell. It's like you can see. Well, I mean, that's, that, I mean, you know, if you've got a great blade, but you don't want to hold onto the handle, then it's crap, you know? So yeah. you really, I mean, that's where you're making your connection with the knife. I mean, that's, that's your right. interaction mm -hmm. with it. Like that, that's it matters. Right. And I, I try to put a lot of thought into my handles and actually while we're talking about Neil, Neil, <coughs> Neil's one of the Sorry. first people to send me a DM and give me feedback on mm -hmm. what I was doing 
respectfully, you know, yes. like we always talk about, you know, like, oh, hey, what's the right way to give somebody feedback or, hey, what's the right way to say, hey, man, I think you should have done this differently, but not come off like an asshole. Mm-hmm. And, and Neil was one of the first people I remember this because I was actually standing right over there when this happened. I got this DM from Neil and, and he was super respectful about it and was like, Hey man, I don't know if you want my opinion, but like, mm-hmm. here's my thoughts on this. And, you know, game, you know, kind of the compliment sandwich where you tell, Hey, I loved this about it. Have you considered this also? <laughs> Exactly. I really liked this other part about it, you know, and you know, you're, you're a manager, you know how you have to like kind of talk to people and everything and, and get them not necessarily on defense. Cause if you, if you come across a certain way, people just automatically go on defense and they don't listen to the next thing that you say. Hey, sport. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so yeah, so Neil was really cool and gave me some really great feedback and it's something that I hadn't considered, you know, you know, and I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was something to do with, you know, heel height and, the, 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 not necessarily the geometry, but the angle of the blade to the cutting board versus the angle of the handle and taking into consideration the different heights, you know, people's physical height and how that's going to affect the angle that they're holding their wrist at, you know, to the cutting board and things yeah, like that. Right. Yep. And that's something that I hadn't considered before. And it really changed a little bit about the way that I think about how I design my knives because I don't want people hitting their knuckles on a cutting board, but I also don't want them straining their wrist because of the way that they're holding the knife. So that's a, it's a, it's a, it's an intricate thing that you can go into. And it's something that as a, as a custom knife maker, you really have to take into account all those things because you really want somebody to have this blade. That's, that's their go-to. I mean, that's the best compliment that I've ever gotten from somebody is, Oh, anytime I go into my kitchen, that's the blade that I reach for. You know, that's what you want. Totally. Yep. Yep. That's right. That is right. All right, guys. All right. We're going an hour and a half. We got another hour to go. No, we we don't. (laughs) Well, before we go, we really need to, uh, we need to mention our last, uh, our last sponsor, Phoenix abrasives. Oh, we didn't do Phoenix abrasives. No, we did not. We need to shout those guys out. Jesus. Use promo code HUSTLE10 at checkout. Hustle and Grind is sponsored by phoenixabrasives.com, your one-stop abrasive shop. They stock all the abrasive belts you need in all sizes. They also offer knife-making kits, which have all the goods you need in one kit, as well as hand sanding and buffing materials. Go to phoenixabrasives.com. And use the code HUSTLE10 for 10% off your order. That's right. HUSTLE10 will get you 10% off. And one last quick note. I mentioned in a previous episode that I was trying out the blue Actatrox uh, belts. Phoenix has those, but they are under a different name. Ryan, do you remember what that is? Incinerator. Incinerator. That's right. And it is an expensive belt. And I had really held off on trying those out for a while just because of the uh, the prohibitive cost of it. But I got to tell you, it's it's serious business. And uh, I put one of those things through its paces this last <laughs> week doing Damascus because, um, I mean, you got to do so much grinding. You got scale. You got uneven surfaces from from forging out billets that you then have to grind off and restack and everything. And those those incinerator belts, the Actatrox, they really do mean business. So I would recommend that you go to Phoenix Abrasives and try one of those out. And uh, shoot me a DM. Tell me what you think. Um, 
Ryan, Ryan's been swearing by him for a while and I just, uh, I just couldn't do it, but I went ahead and bit the bullet and I'm glad I did. So I'm a believer now. Those things are the bomb. I'm a cheap bastard. So I run the red Ferraris, but cause they're like half the price, but the actor rocks, they're made by VSM and they're worth every penny. I mean, they last at least twice as long as a normal one of your top, top of the line ceramic belts. And when we say they last, we're not talking about like, oh, hey, it's still got grit on it. No, it still cuts. That thing after after the use that I would normally throw a belt away is still throwing serious sparks and it's still really getting through material. So it's it's a it's a it's the real deal. Todd, you got anything you want to talk about before we call it a show? No, man, I'm just happy to be uh, walking around now. It hurts, but I got to go through physical therapy now. So I'm getting tortured. Um, yeah, very shortly. Nice. First time in physical therapy, so I didn't realize how much torture that actually is. And the lady even said, "Are you ready for your torture?" And I thought she was fucking with me, but then she, <laughs> she got some sick humor. <laughs> no, I mean the, the 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 things that they have in their hands and just the things they do. And I'm just like, this is the longest hour of my life. It's very bad. But that it's sucks, getting, man. Getting easy. I was doing exercises on the plane and shit, like on my way. Like, oh, I got to get pushed in tomorrow before I get on another plane. Because I, I go back to Canada um, with our friends to the north um, tomorrow morning. So we need to be able to walk. So I, I, I go to physical therapy in the, in the early, early morning and then to the airport after that. <clears throat> but it has been fun, guys. I really like this. Yeah. yeah. We appreciate we love you coming you. on. And we really appreciate all the uh, the info that you were able to enlighten us on. You know, the things that knife makers don't, uh, don't normally think about. So I think... I feel like I feel like our listeners got some value out of this one, and hopefully they uh, are able to take some of this to heart. And lastly, of course, we want to thank all of our patrons um, who support us through Patreon. Um, if you feel like you got anything out of this episode, um, you can go to Patreon.com/slash/hustleandgrind and support us there for as little as a dollar a month. And we appreciate each and every one of you guys. Um, and we're going to do some special stuff for you guys uh, coming up soon. I know I've been saying that for a while, but really really we are so um we love and appreciate all you guys that support us and we hope you really got something out of of today's episode if not just entertainment so thank you all we love you goodbye hope you guys have a great week keep on hustling and keep on grinding